0: Hello, and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights, and strategic inputs from around the globe.
1: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Julius Baer podcast. This is Richard Tang, the China strategist and head of research Hong Kong for Bank Julius Baer. Now, back in early February, we invited Hong Hao, who's the partner and the chief economist of Grow, to discuss on the outlook of the China market. And today I have the great pleasure to have him back on our podcast again. Hi Hal. thank you very much for joining us today. Hey Richard, great to be here. So Hal, last time when we spoke, I think in early February, we were both articulating a constructive view on the China market and the arguments were simple. So China was reopening, policy was accommodative, now, after the Chinese New Year, the market actually pulled back quite a bit after a very very strong rally in November, December, as well as in January. But it seems that the market is still consolidating right now. So, a natural question to ask both of us is: Will we still see a rally in Chinese market? So, from Julius Bear, our answer to the question whether we still have a rally in China is yes. We still think there will be a rally after the current consolidation. Now, if I have to explain the reasons for the pullback in the market, I think there are three. One, I do agree that the expectations of the market have got a little bit inflated, especially when this compared to the recovery, which is a little bit slow. Second, I think the policies, even though they're accommodative, the magnitude of it has underwhelmed investors a little bit. And third, after a very, very strong rally in three months, in November, December, and January, I think it's fair to say that the positioning and also valuation got a little bit extended. But now, after the post-Chinese New Year pullback, I think the expectations of the market have come back to more realistic level. Also, now that the Kaufman transition is complete, we think that the policy is about to ramp up. And lastly, with a bit of profit-taking, I think the market valuation and position also got to more reasonable levels. And I think what's worth mentioning is that the government now seems to strike a more pro-business tone in its narrative So I think we may indeed see a renewed rally sometime in the second quarter. And frankly, I think at this point of time, it might be risky to be too bearish on the China market. So that's my viewpoint, How? What do you think?
2: I think the rally before the Chinese New Year was really hard and really far. So the Hong Kong market was up more than 50% at one stage from the lowest point in late October. I think, Richard, you're right in the sense that people want to take some chips off the table because more than 50% in three months is a really good game in any year. Some people may want to take the profit and then go fishing. We can't blame them. But I think looking forward though, now that we're back to the 20,000 round number level, I think the market is still consolidating. So the market is still waiting to see solid data on economic recovery from China. I think for now, even though the initial activity data, some of the real estate data suggest uh, tentatively a recovery is in place, but I think for most people, after 50% gain, they will want to see more evidence. Or the other way to say it is that the 50% rally previously had already anticipated it nascent recovery that we're seeing right now. And for the market to go substantially higher from here, we need more good news and firmer data to support our thesis.
1: That sounds uh, reasonable. I guess uh, we want to drill into some of the points that we just discussed, one on the fundamental recovery, and then the other one on policy. So let's talk about them one by one. Now, on the fundamentals, I think most of us will agree that the recovery is real. As you mentioned, the pace is a bit slow. And frankly, if you look across the different parts of the economy, it's somehow uneven. I guess you agree to that statement, How? So you were just back from mainland China. What do you see on the ground? And what are the things that you're keeping track of?
2: I think people are eager to make a comeback. So after three long years, much have lost friends, relatives, and profits for the Chinese people. It's been a really tough three years. So people are trying to make it back. So I think for the couple of weeks that I've been traveling in China, I've met like so many people that I haven't seen for three years, and also I can feel the enthusiasm in them. I can feel the eagerness for them to put those three years behind them and move forward. So I think overall, you've seen increased level of activities in the Chinese economy. For example, if you look at the air traffic number and road traffic number, they're basically back to 2019 level, just before the pandemic. If you look at the capacity utilization level in many of the factories, it's actually unseasonably strong. So normally, right after the Chinese New Year, things tend to be slightly slower because People need to go back to the factories from countryside, but this year we're seeing unusually high capacity utilization and labor movement across different provinces. So from these tentative signs, we can say that people are eager to get back on their footings and also eager to make the recovery last. so it is still early days in the real estate sector we're seeing unusually strong sales number for January and February as well, but that could be because of a very heavy discount activities, promotions running in the sector. Developers are eager to get rid of the inventories and also recycle the cash. If you look at the cement factories, for example, production is unusually high as well. But when new buildings are starting, it's still very, very low. Real estate investment is still down year on year. Still remains to be seen the healthiness in these key sectors of the Chinese economy. So other sectors, for example, I'm sure everyone has heard anecdotal evidence about how restaurants booking us up, it's very difficult to find a table, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is that after three years of ravage by the virus, many of the Chinese restaurants have closed down because these are very small businesses and they don't have enough cash flow to sustain themselves during the pandemic. And therefore, they basically closed down. So if you look at the number of restaurants that is still open now, it's like about half of the pre-pandemic level. So for now, I think a very heavy booking at Chinese restaurants doesn't mean that consumption is back. So we're hoping to see a solid recovery in the consumption sector and also in the property sector to declare that the Chinese economy is back in its full form.
1: That's very well said. I guess your points on the property market particularly well taken. I guess at least the initial numbers we see on the new home sales are still tracking fairly well. For the numbers that we track, we're tracking 28 cities and the new home sales in the last week was actually tracking plus 20% year on year. So I think that's a fairly encouraging number to see. Also, the housing inventory number finally started to drop from 20 months to 19 months. I know that's not a lot, but at least it shows that we're moving in the right direction.
2: Yes, marginally.
1: Yeah, and I guess to add on some bottom-up perspective, obviously we're winding down the reporting season, but I think one encouraging point to make is that most of the internet companies are guiding fairly strong first quarter recovery. This is true for advertising, for e-commerce, for delivery segments, et cetera. So I think that at least implies some solid improvements in at least some parts of the Chinese economy.
2: Yes, it pays to sort of uh, segregate different segments in the economy to investigate how real is the recovery. So if you look at the SOE sectors, they're doing fantastically. So as a result, as a reflection, you're seeing SOE shares has been rallying in the Hong Kong market as well, even though the overall market index has hit a resistance level just below 23,000. But if you look at the private-owned enterprises, they're having quite a bit of trouble. So therefore, the share price is not responding as much. But as to the internet sectors that you mentioned, because they are starting from a very low base, and also over the past few years, they have taken restructuring measures to lower their costs. I think now those structuring plans' benefits are starting to show, and I think that is why we're seeing marginal improvement in many of the internet companies. So hopefully, they are on the right track, and also the government policy can help them to recover sooner rather than later.
1: So that's on recovery. And now on policy, I think it's fair to say that China clearly stepped up on the business-friendly or we call it pro-private enterprise narrative after the government transition in the two meetings. Frankly, I can't recall how many times I've already heard from the new Premier Li Qiang in the past few weeks on how China will be supportive to the entrepreneurs, how important the private enterprises are to the Chinese economy. And on top of that, we've seen an almost 180-degree change in the tone of the state media towards the private enterprises. We've seen Jack Ma coming back to mainland China. And obviously, related to that is the restructuring of Alibaba. So on this restructuring, we have a lot of things to say on the company level. But in this podcast, I do want to focus more on the broader implications on the China market. So my question to you, How is? what are your insights on all these restructuring, and the change in tone in the government narrative and all that.
2: Li Chang is known for his pragmatism. So when he was the mayor of Shanghai, he ran the city very well. And also he introduced Tesla super factory to Shanghai and basically helped jumpstart the entire Tesla story, in my opinion. And also the Chinese electric car industry. So because we borrow some of the technology and know how from Tesla. So I think Li Chang did a really good job as the mayor of Shanghai. I think now, if you think that Shanghai has been a model city for Chinese modernization, then he's trying to apply the same methodology and the same strategy to run the country. And he's now the premier responsible for economic management. So that's good news for China. As to the change of tone towards the private owned enterprises, to be honest, people here are hesitant to believe that, or maybe it's too soon, for people to completely take it by heart. After all, it's been like three long years and many of the business is gone already. So it takes time to win back confidence. For example, if you look at the PBOC survey, if you look at consumer confidence to spend on CapEx into the future, it is still unusually low. So I think it's in an all-time low because people are still feeling that uncertainty about how in the past few years, you try to put money in, say, open a restaurant and then next thing you know, the pandemic management policy changed, and the city is locked down, and your business is gone. So it takes time to win back the confidence. But I would say that we are on the right track. And from my personal experience while traveling in China, we do see signs of budding of uh, confidence coming back. Once again, it remains to be seen, and time will tell.
1: Yeah, I guess you have a fair point regarding low confidence. And I'm hoping that all these friendly gestures from the government will be repeated, and they keep doing this so that they can restore the confidence of the entrepreneurs, of the investors, or just ordinary people to a large extent. I just
2: want to add one more point to this discussion. I think the key is the stability of policy, the predictable path of how you carry out this strategy. As long as you can let people see hope, and also people know that you mean business and the path is clear, and you're sticking to it. So the rules are clear, and how we get there, that direction is clear where we're going, then the confidence will gradually come back. But if you keep changing the policy, you say one thing one day, and then you say another thing later, then the policy would become very unpredictable, and therefore people don't know where to put their money, and basically just give up. I think predictability of policy is the key here.
1: Totally. I think when it comes to investment, the worst case scenario is actually when you don't know what's going to happen. If it's a bad scenario and if you tell them for sure what you're going to see, that's actually still better than if you don't know what's going to happen. So I totally take your point on the predictability of policy. And let's hope that it's going to be something we're going to see in the next couple of months. But how, you know what? Other than the China-specific factors, we actually more focused on the risk that may be coming from the global side. Now, obviously, over the past two to three weeks, we spent most of the time to understand the stress of the U.S. and European banking system. And I'm sure it did the same too, Hal. And at this point of time, I think the frequent indicators that we're monitoring shows that the banking stress is well-contained, but there will inevitably be a credit drag and the banking lending standards will be tightened up significantly. I don't know how Grow sees this. Julius Bear is still in a soft lending camp for the U.S. economy, but we do have to admit that. After considering all these risks, we have to admit that the risk of recession is now slightly higher because of the potential credit crunch. And clearly, if the U.S. is going into a recession, it will definitely be hard for any equity market, including the Chinese equity market, to do well. And then the other thing that we're watching is clearly geopolitics. How I'm sure you've watched the TikTok hearing and President Xi Jinping is just back from Russia. Now, I think realistically, this will be a constant issue that the market will monitor But for the recent events or the upcoming ones, is there any one that may concern you, how?
2: Well, I think the TikTok hearing has been in the making for some time now. So people know that TikTok is being banned in parts of the US government. Some government officials can't have the TikTok app installed on their iPhone, so they can't use it. And now they're trying to ban the entire app. And whoever trying to use VPN to use the app, to bypass the US regulation to use the app, could be sentenced to jail for like up to 20 years. So this is absolutely insane. So I think you can see the hostility in all of this. And also I don't envy Mr. Zhao's position in his congressional hearing, but because of his good look, he has won a lot of the hearts of the Chinese fans, by the way. So he is actually uh, the number one talk about topics on Weibo after the day of hearing for a number of days because of his good look and also because his articulation of how TikTok could bring the two cultures together. So that is that. Then obviously the technology rivalry is heating up and there's a further ban on semiconductor technology being export to China. But then at the China Development Forum that is held over the weekend in Beijing, the ASML CEO say that, wow, we still regard China as one of the greatest semiconductor markets in the world and they want to participate in the business opportunities here. So that's a different chime to what the U.S. say. So I would say that it's very complicated to negotiate these torrent. But having said that, as you can see, the 2024 presidential election is growing near. And from the experience in the 2020 election, We know that the more hawkish the politicians is towards China, probably the more votes and more support that they're gonna get. Because if you look at the polls in the US public, the attitude towards China is even worse than the attitude towards Russia, right? That is just staggering. And at the same time, China is still one of the biggest trading partner with the US and the Chinese trade surplus to the US is at an all time high. So it's very difficult to reconcile all these facts in one go. But one thing is clear. So it's very difficult, very challenging to negotiate these torrents. And the rivalry between China and the US is destined to heat up.
1: So I think this will continue to be something that we just have to monitor. This one probably would be fairly unpredictable, but I think we just have to respond to any new development. I think that's all we have for the time today. Thank you, Ha, for your sharing. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for our next podcast. Goodbye for now.
0: Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player. been listening to beyond markets by julius bear if you like what you heard subscribe to our show on spotify apple podcasts stitcher or wherever you listen to learn more about julius bear our people our latest thinking visit us at www.juliusbear.com we will be back with a brand new episode soon The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.